And we are live. Welcome on in, ladies and gentlemen. Bienvenidos, senoras y senores. This is the NAI Ball Podcast. It is postseason baseball time, ladies and gentlemen. Postseason baseball has arrived. We are absolutely thrilled here at NAI Ball to have postseason coverage for you throughout the entire run to Lewiston. As always, I am your host, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063 on Twitter if you want to get at me. We'll bring in Cody Butler here in just a moment. But folks, we are going to run down every single opening round tournament of the NAI baseball postseason. We are absolutely thrilled to do this with you. We are super excited about it. We are going to give you who each team is. We're going to tell you a little bit about each team. We're going to go through every single matchup on day one, and then we're going to give you a dark horse. We're going to give you a winner. Who we think the field of nine plus the team who qualifies automatically will be in Lewiston, Idaho, playing at Harris Field over Memorial Day weekend. Before that, we have to ask you to support the people who support this podcast. That's right, our friends over at Silverback Sports at shopsilverback.com and at shopsilverback for socials. Durable and durable arm care training essentials that you need, especially for recovery. Everything you need is at shopsilverback.com. That's www.shopsilverback.com for everything you need. They're an NAI-made company run by NAI coaches who are still alive in the tournament. They're playing this this week. They're just as, as excited. They are just as excited for this tournament as you are. We are absolutely thrilled that they sponsor this podcast Everything you need over at the website. Check them out right now while you're listening to the podcast at shopsilverback.com and shop silverback for socials. Everything is there. Give them a follow, like all of their photos, check the website out, buy something, do it. All right. Support the people who support the NAI Ball podcast. With that, we will bring in, ladies and gentlemen, the foremost authority on NAI baseball. Mr. NAI Ball himself, Cody Butler, baby. What's going on? Absolutely thrilled to be here myself, man. Best three days of baseball coming up. Uh, excited to dive into these brackets. We got some really good games on the deck. Yeah, no, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled, man. It is going to be really good baseball. Like you said, on deck, we've got the best three, four, possibly days of baseball anywhere in the nation. It is going to be absolutely beautiful. And, man, Cody, you know what? We were almost perfect again. Again, so close to being perfect in our at-large predictions. There were 15 at-large bids. Four were taken by host sites. And then we said five teams were locks. That left us six spots available. And of those six spots available to at-large teams, we went five for six. You and I each had somebody different getting in for that last spot. But then USCB able to jump in there and make the tournament we didn't see coming. We didn't think they were going to get in. They did get in. They got their ticket. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. They actually match up. We'll get into it later. But they match up with a team that they upset literally a week ago. So anything could happen. I'm really excited for this. It is going to be absolutely fantastic, man. I'm super thrilled for it. Let's jump right into exactly where all the sites are. First, let's give you each and every opening round tournament site. Let's kick things off with Bellevue. Nebraska will host an opening round tournament. Kingsport, Tennessee will host an opening round tournament. Marion, Indiana will host an opening round tournament. Then Montgomery, Alabama will have one as well. 
in New Orleans, Louisiana, O'Fallon, Missouri, Santa Barbara, California, Williamsburg, Kentucky, and Winter Haven, Florida will be the nine sites for where the NAI opening round tournament will be held. Cody, let's kick things off with the five teams playing in the Bellevue, Nebraska bracket right now. Let's start things off with the five seed, St. Xavier, out of the CCAC in the Chicagoland. With a record of 35-25, and 2-6 and six is their all-time opening round record. They are back in the tournament for the first time since 2013, according to the NAI's webpage. They have a 296 team average and a 531 team ERA. They're number five in the nation in stolen bases, number eight in the nation in doubles, and 25th nationwide in hits. The number four seed will be the host team, Bellevue. Out of Bellevue, Nebraska, and the NSAA is who they represent. They are 38 and 16 on the year. All time in the opening round, 18 and 17. Their last appearance was 2019. They are hitting 284 with a 359 team ERA. Number seven in the nation in opponent average, number nine in the nation with ERA. The number three seed is going to be Concordia, Nebraska. CUNE will represent the GPAC. 38 and nine on the year, two and four all time in the opening round tournament. A team average of 346 with a team ERA of 366. They are actually number nine in the nation in average, number nine in opponent average on the mound, and number 10 in the nation in ERA. Then one of the best offenses in the nation, number two seed, Mid America Nazarene out of the heart. They are 39 and 14 this season with a three and six record all time in the opening round. Their last visit to the opening round was 2017. They are hitting an insane 373 as a team with a 4.82 team ERA. Number two in the nation in doubles, number three in the nation in average, number four in the nation in hits, and number five in the nation in runs. And the number one seed in the Bellevue Nebraska opening round tournament is Science and Arts out of Chickasha, Oklahoma, representing the Sooner Athletic Conference with a 34-10 and 10 record all-time in the opening round. They are 11-4 and four with a 331 team average and a 329 team ERA. Number two in opponent average, number four in the nation in ERA. They are one of the best fielding teams in the nation at number five in the nation for fielding percentage and number 21 in the nation for average. Cody, man, this is a good bracket. It looks like we're going to see some really good pitching. We've got three top 10 teams in ERA in this bracket. Really good pitching in this bracket. I mean, you look at Bellevue, starting pitcher Corey Jackson, 150 strikeouts this year in 96 innings. He has a 2.34 ERA. I mean, they're number two, Graham Cahill. He threw a no-hitter and won our pitcher of the week as well. Uh, San Xavier, Julian Vargas, 77 innings pitch. He's a good frontline guy. Jake Foskett, All-American lock, 89 strikeouts in 48 innings, 131 ERA, just absolute stellar. John Vargas from Mid-American Nazarene, their ace. He threw nine innings in the heart tournament, came back through eight more, 17 innings in that tournament, legit number one. And we know Colton Williams and Ricardo Velez. Velez has 124 strikeouts this year in 75 innings. Colton Williams has never lost a start. Uh, really loaded pitching in this field. It is going to be really interesting, man. And I think the outlier to all of that is going to be for USAO. Gene Moutonaire is able to get hot, find, you know, that form that we saw, you know, in the postseason just a few years ago. It is going to be absolutely massive because for USAO, they've got the one and the two guys that you feel really comfortable with. I don't know how Mike Ross is going to plan things out, how he's going to go about that. We're going to get into the day one matchups in a little bit, but 
I mean, that is absolutely massive. Colt Williams, we've said it all year long, is the guy that I want throwing Friday night. Colt Williams is the dude. You know, he's he's going to come out here and he's going to play well, and he's more than anything going to give you a chance to compete for his team because there have been a couple of times this year where we're like, oh, man, you know, they, they're down 1-0, they're down 2-0, and that team just jumps right back into it because he's able to hold those teams at one or two and he's doing some absolutely special things on the mound. Ricardo Velez has been absolutely electric. There is some really good pitching in this opening round tournament, man, that I'm excited for. And more than anything, I'd love to see that one-two matchup between science and arts and the, the hitting of Mid-American Nazarene. And a pitcher to look out for, honestly, for USAO, too, who kind of stepped up in their Sooner Athletic title game, is Drew Shaver. Pitched really well, 6.2 innings, two run runs, 10 strikeouts against Oklahoma City in the title game. He could step up and be that number three for the Drovers. And it's a pitcher that they could probably need in Lewiston down the road. So, Cody, let's really take a, a deeper look into it here. Let's go into the first game, and it's Bellevue and St. Xavier. We're going to go day by game one, uh, just day one, and we're going to look at the day one game. So, Bellevue and St. Xavier are going to play in the very first game of this tournament to kick things off. And I'm going to go with St. Xavier. I think some may call it an upset, but I think St. Xavier's played in a better league. I think that they're playing hot right now. And give me Julian Vargas to go out there and pitch a good game. He's going to go out there, put the team on his back, 77 innings this year. Uh, their catcher, Evan Orzic, 366 hitter, five home runs, 40 RBIs. Uh, first baseman Joe Reiser leads the team in doubles and homers. Had a huge walk-off home run against Olivet on Monday the other day. Uh, I just think St. Xavier's going to get the win. What I think is going to happen is I think Bellevue's going to throw Graham Cahill. They're going to save Corey Jackson for the night game. I think it's going to bite him. I think St. Xavier is going to get that first game dub. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens, man. I mean, obviously, team a- team average-wise, they're, they're kind of close, you know. I mean, really only 12 points separates Bellevue and St. Xavier. But ERA-wise, I mean, you're talking a well over a full point, almost two full points of, of ERA. I'm going to go ahead and take Bellevue in this one. I think that, you know, they're top 10 in opponent average. They're number nine in the nation in ERA. They've had some – faced some really good competition this year. I'm going to go ahead and take Bellevue in game number one in that one. That takes us to Mid-America Nazarene versus Concordia. What you got? Man, it is so hard to pick against Jake Foskett here. Like we said, a 1-3-1 ERA, 89 strikeouts in 48 innings. Trenton Woods has been a good number two for them. Uh, second baseman Jaden Adams, 406, 14 doubles, five home runs for the freshman. Left fielder Joey Grabanski, 386, 17 home runs, 57 RBIs. Grabanski leads the team in home runs and RBIs. But I'm taking Mid-American Nazarene, man. Give me John Vargas, 97 innings, 129 Ks, four players with 50 starts that are hitting north of 400. Center fielder Donnie Freeman, 429, 15 doubles, 15 homers. Our guy catcher Joshua Sandoval, 18 home runs, 72 RBIs. I just think the offense is just too much. I like Mid-American Nazarene. 100% agree. Mid-American Nazarene, I think the offense is going to be really good. It's going to be really interesting because Concordia has a better team ERA, but I think Mid-American Nazarene has that one starter that is able to go a, l- a little bit further in that one, hold off the offense of Concordia, Mid-American Nazarene getting the win in that one. I mean, they're just – that offense is really good. So many categories to choose from in the top five as far as, you know, offense goes. So I'm going to go ahead and take that one. Cody, one of us had Bellevue, one of us had St. Xavier taking on Science and Arts for the nightcap in that first day. Yeah, and I just like USAO, whether it's Colton Williams, who's 12-0 with a 1-5-3 ERA, or Ricardo Velez, who's struck out 124 batters in 75 innings. I mean, that's just remarkable. I just think USAO's pitching is going to be too much. Uh, Christian LeBoy, 
I actually got a pretty cool video of him and Lewis and hitting that tank a couple of years ago. 403 average this year, 11 home runs. Uh, the catcher, Joy Pena, 384, five home runs and 11 doubles. Give me the Drovers. I like the Drovers to win that nightcap. 100% agree. I like the Drovers to win that nightcap, man. I mean, there's so many different options you can go. I'm I'm a big believer, uh, and I've, I've talked to a couple of coaches about this, and I know you and I have talked about this, but I'm a big believer in you play to get to the championship and then see what happens there instead of waiting to throw your arms in the championship. We saw that with Tennessee Wesleyan uh, quite a few years ago when Billy Berry wasn't there before he came back, and it came back to bite TWU. You know, we didn't see Aaron Ford in that game. You have to throw your arms. You have to throw your dudes. You want to get to that spot. I mean, you win that first game. If you're, you know, USAO, you are just two wins away from dogpiling and going to Lewiston. Give me USAO in that one. And then I want to see that one-two matchup, USAO versus Mid-America Nazarene. So I think this is going to be an interesting bracket in Bellevue. But let's transition here, Cody, now. Oh, excuse me. Before we transition... I need a winner in a dark horse from you, actually. Look at me getting ahead of myself. All right, so I think this bracket's pretty chalky because I actually really respect Mid-American Nazarene. I think they're a really good club, but I am going to take USAO. I think their pitching is just too strong. I think that they're pitching for the Monday and Tuesday games as good as anyone in the country as you're going to see with Colton Williams and Ricardo Velez. I think that's going to set them up nicely Wednesday 2-0, and and I just can't see someone beating them twice back-to-back that day. So give me USAO to punch their ticket to Lewiston yet again. I really like USAO to punch their ticket. I think if I had to take a dark horse, something tells me, I don't know why. I just look at Concordia's lines and and just something says dark horse has Concordia written all over it. But I think USAO is just going to be way too good offensively and way too powerful on the mound. I think, you know, they play in a really good conference and I, I, I think they've got, you know, two of the best pitchers in this. And that's hard to say that they have the two best pitchers in this tournament, considering that there are some really good pitching in this opening round tournament in Bellevue, Nebraska, but give me USAO in this one as well. Cody, let's move on here to Kingsport, Tennessee, hosted by Tennessee Wesleyan University in the Appalachian Athletic Conference. And we will start things off with the number five seed, Mount Vernon Nazarene out of the Crossroads League, 32 and 19. Five and 12 is their all-time opening round record with their last appearance being in 2015. Hitting-wise, they're hitting 299 as a team. Pitching-wise, with a 474 team ERA, they are number 18 in the nation in stolen bases. The number four team in this opening round tournament will be UNO, U-N-O-H, out of the whack. They're 29-17. and 17. Their opening round tournament record is 8-4, and four, with 2018 being their last appearance. Their team average is 303, with their team ERA being a 516, number 13 in the nation in triples, and 13th in the nation in stolen bases. The number three seed in this tournament will be Warner out of the Sun Conference. The Sun Conference with five teams, something really that we've never seen before in this format. They make up exactly 11% of the entire tournament is Sun Conference teams. Warner is 33 and 21. They are 0 2 all time in the opening round tournament, with their last coming. In 2009, team average of 305 with a team ERA of 483. They are 26 in the nation in hits. The two seed is IU Southeast out of the River States Conference, 45 and 14, 8 and 12 all time in opening rounds with their last coming in 2019. Team average of 332 and a team ERA of 4.70. They are number two actually in the nation in hits, number five in doubles number six in stolen bases, number eight in runs. The offense is definitely there. 
for this team. And then the number one team in the Kingsport opening round tournament out of the Appalachian Athletic Conference at 51-4, and Tennessee Wesleyan, the number one team in the nation and the number one overall seed, 29-16, and with a team average of 340 and a team ERA of 2.49. Number one, Cody, in the nation in ERA. Number one in the nation in opponent average. Number one in the nation in fielding percentage. Number two in the nation in slugging percentage. Number two in the nation in runs. Number two in the nation in RBIs. And number five in the nation in hits. Man, this one is going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of this 2-3 matchup, honestly. IU Southeast and Warner, really good 2-3 matchup. I'm glad to see Warner get into the tournament. I thought they deserved it. I thought that they were going to be like a dangerous four for anyone in the country. They got slotted into a three seed. Uh, I'm not going to give my pick just yet on that one, but I definitely think that's a really good matchup. Uh, IU Southeast is a really good team. They've been on a run. The clear-cut best team in the River States Conference this year. They dominated the regular season, dominated the tournament. Uh, hats off to them. And how about Malvern and Nazarene? Arguably the biggest upset of the tournament across the entire field. Went out there and took that second bid out of the crossroads. Uh, really impressed with them to get out there. Trailed by a run in the ninth inning against Huntington. Rallied for three runs, won four to two, kept their season alive, and here they are playing for a chance to compete against the number one team in the country. It is going to be really interesting to see, see how this one shapes out. I mean, obviously that one-two matchup is is what intrigues me the most, but really, Cody, possibly we could see a one-three matchup at the end of the day, kind of getting ahead of myself, making some picks here, but let's go ahead and start this process for day number one of this tournament and how it's going to go. And the first game of this tournament is going to be Northwestern Ohio versus Mount Vernon Nazarene, two teams from the state of Ohio facing off. Yeah, and who saw that coming? How cool for them. Northwestern Ohio, they're going to throw their dude in Drew Clavenna. 83 innings pitch, 3-3-5 ERA, 94 strikeouts. He's going to be, he's a really good starter. He's a guy who can go out there and get the win right away. Don Goods, 3-90 hitter for them. 14 doubles, 39 RBIs, leads the team in stolen bases as well. And Mount Vernon Nazarene, it's going to be about Jake Glover. He's their best pitcher, one of their best bats. He's 6-1 and one this year on the mound, 64 innings pitch with a 309 ERA. At the plate, he's hitting 347 with 10 home runs and 63 driven in. Aaron Saul, 407 average, 12 home runs, 63 RBIs. He leads the team in average home runs and RBIs. I'm picking the upset. I'm giving Uno some more fuel, make some more shirts. And I'm going Melbourne and Nazarene. These two teams are pretty similar, Cody. You know, uh, 29 and 17 for Uno, 32 and 19 for Mount Vernon Nazarene. Mount Vernon Nazarene did an incredible job coming back, beating Huntington, like you said, finding a way into the tournament, ultimately keeping Huntington out of the tournament. They're the only team, though, Mount Vernon Nazarene, hitting just a tick below 300 in this tournament. Everybody else hitting over 300 in the top two teams, hitting well over 300. I am going to go with Uno. We're going to differ again on the 4-5 matchup. Give me Uno in that one. They're a team that hits a lot of extra base hits. I think that they're going to go ahead and just power their way through this one. And I've got Uno in the win. Then, the 2-3 matchup, Cody. IU Southeast, Warner. That, I think, is going to be the best matchup of the day. Absolutely. A huge matchup. And I'm going to take the Grenadiers. Uh, I think Warner could have upset anyone in this tournament if they got the right tournament and they were the right seed. But you're getting thrown up against a two, a strong two, and I'm rolling with the Grenadiers. Hunter Cloak, 63 innings pitch, 287 ERA. Uh, Birdie Tanksley, the catcher, 354 average, 16 home runs, 63 RBIs. Clay Wiesty, 375 average, 16 doubles, 6 home runs. I just like IU Southeast. 
Warner has some really special players. I mean, John Pickman, the first baseman, 19 home runs this year. He's hitting 366. The center fielder, Logan Flood, 368 average, 14 doubles, six home runs. Uh, they're going to throw their guy, John Bean, I'd imagine. 83 innings pitched, 4.12 ERA with 89 strikeouts. I think it's going to be a really good game. I just think IU Southeast has a little bit better depth, and I'm going to roll with the Grenadiers. Man, Pickman has been absolutely phenomenal this year. And, I mean, he would really be a starter just about anywhere in the country. And he has done some special things at Warner. I am pro TSC, but for this one, give me the Grenadiers, 45 and 14, you know, 332 team average, 4.70 team ERA. Both of those above Warner, and they are one of the top offenses in the nation, number two in hits, number five in doubles, a top 10 team in stolen bases, a top 10 team in runs. I'm going to go ahead and give the edge here to IU Southeast. Last time IU Southeast was in Kingsport, too, they had some really cool things happen. Ended up playing Kaiser for a chance to go to Lewiston. So this will be really interesting to see. Again, Cody, that one versus four five matchup, we've got it split. One of us has Uno, one of us has Mount Vernon Nazarene, but I think we're going to agree on this one. Yeah, man, I got Tennessee Wesley and Roland. I got TWU. Yep, the Bulldogs all day. Billy Barry and the boys. I mean, they're fifty-one and four. Uh, Cody, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe they're the only fifty-win team in the nation, uh, which is yeah. usually something we can't really say if we play a full season. Right, because of scheduling. Right now, they are the only fifty-win team. I mean, just look at some of their players, man. Gary Mattis, twenty-two home runs. Zach Hogason, twenty-one home runs. Carson Ford, twenty-two home runs. They have three different pitchers that are double-digit wins with zero losses. They got a guy that's 12-0, a guy that's 11-0, and a guy that's 10-0. I and mean, when you look at pitchers in Robert Gonzalez, Kobe Foster, and Irving Martin, and then they have a fourth guy, Chris Coyman, who was out a little bit that's coming back, has a 1.89 ERA, the most loading pitching staff in the country. They are four starters deep. They're four starters better than most teams won. It's going to be a tall task. If you're asking me a dark horse in the tournament, man, uh, it would be every other team not named Tennessee Wesleyan. <laughs> You know, uh, I mean, I got to ask, how good has Robert Gonzalez been this year? Because he has won more high leverage games against UC, GGC. I mean, just some really big name teams this year than probably most Tuesday starters in the nation have even faced as far as ranked teams go. I mean, yeah, he's pitched against Gwinnett and Cumberland's twice each. He's 3-0. and uh, He didn't get a loss in the other game. It, went, it just ended on a walk-off. He got a no decision. But, yeah, he beat Gwinnett twice. He beat Cumberland's once. Pitched well against him the second time. And uh, you see that he kind of moved into that uh, rotational role in that conference tournament. I think he's a guy that's obviously going to, once tournament play comes up, he's going to be a top arm for them. He's not going to be a midweek anymore. Uh, he's proven he's elite. Uh, him and Kobe Foster, I mean, they have two elite arms. I mean, two elite lefties, two elite righties. Uh, it's really just dynamic pitching staff when you think about just having what a weapon it is to have two lefties like that that are just special talents. And then you follow it up with the two righties in Coyman and Irving Martin. Uh, I mean, they are just absolutely loaded. And like we mentioned, we have they have three players with 20-plus home runs. Uh, they're just extremely, extremely deep, deserving of the top overall seed, no doubt. 100% agree. I feel like it's Tennessee Wesleyan and then everybody else would be the dark horse, like you said. And credit to you, you did say – in our very first podcast this year, that Tennessee Wesleyan was going to be the best team in the nation with a chance to the best chance to win the national title. And I mean, they have looked apart 100%. Billy Berry has built a machine out there in Athens, Tennessee, and it is going to be absolutely fantastic to watch. I mean, this is a really special team and their, their pitching is built for this. I mean, a team that 
has gone ahead and has four viable starters that are all capable of throwing Friday nights. You cannot say that for 99% of the teams around the nation. It is going to be really interesting. We will both take Tennessee Wesleyan in Kingsport, Tennessee. Moving on to Marion, Indiana, our third bracket here. Let's start with the number five seed is Indiana Tech representing the Wolverine Hoosier Athletic Conference at 31 and 25 as the regular season champion, 17 and 16 all time in the opening rounds with their last appearance coming in 2019. A 302 team average and a 476 team ERA. They are top 20 in hits and top 25 in doubles. The number four seed is Olivet Nazarene out of the CCAC in the Chicagoland, 36 and 18 with a one and four record all time in the opening round. Their last appearance in 2019 as well. Their team average is 324 with a team ERA of 468. They're top five in the nation in triples, top 10 in the nation in hits. The number three team in the nation out of Columbia, Missouri is Columbia College out of the AMC, 36 and nine, two and two all time in the opening round with their only appearance being in 2019. Their team average is 332 with a team ERA of 445, top 15 in triples, top 20 in average, top 30 in ERA. The number two seed is Indiana Wesley in the host school out of the Crossroads League, 43 and 12, one and four in opening round play all time with their last appearance coming in 2018 with a 318 team average and a 454 Team ERA, top five in doubles, top 10 in RBIs, top 15 in hits. And then the number one seed is Oklahoma Wesleyan out of the KCAC, 46 and eight, Cody, with a 13 and seven all time record in the opening round with their last appearance in 2019. 356 team average and a 405 team ERA. They lead the nation in three separate categories number one in runs, number one in RBIs, number one in slugging percentage, and they're number three in the nation. In hits. This is going to be an interesting one because all of these teams have postseason experience. Yeah, man, this is going to be a really good bracket. This is a bracket where I can see three different teams winning it. This is the first bracket we've come to where I can, like, all right, three different teams can win this bracket. I think you have some absolute dudes on the mound. John Young, absolute dude. We're actually going to talk about that in a minute in the first game. We'll save that in a minute. But John Young, Chris Wall, absolute dudes. I think that 4-5 game, you're going to get an awesome matchup in Olivet Nazarene, Indiana Tech. These two teams actually played each other earlier in the year in the series. Olivet won the series two games to one. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to seeing Oklahoma Wesleyan play some really good teams out of conference. So I think this is going to be a fun bracket. Absolutely agree, man. And and let's really dig into what these games are going to look like here. In the 5-4 matchup, it's going to be Indiana Tech, and Olivet Nazarene, one team out of the WAC, one team out of the CCAC. What you got for us in this one? Who you who you taking in day one? Yeah, I'm taking Olivet Nazarene. Uh, Ethan Underwood, 81 innings pitched, 268 ERA, 76 strikeouts. Pitched really well against Indiana Tech earlier this season. Uh, over seven innings, two earned runs, got the win over him. Terry Daniels at the plate, 383, 17 doubles, eight home runs. I just like this Olivet Nazarene team. They have a really another good pitcher in Aaron Gustafson. 78 innings pitch, 371 ERA, 95 strikeouts. Uh, just give me all of that, Nazarene. Indiana Tech's got a couple of dudes on the mound they could throw. Charles Donovan's been there for a while, 72 strikeouts in 55 innings. Yeshua Saint, hitting 392 at the plate, eight home runs, but he's also thrown 38 innings. Same with Spencer McGee, 371 average for them, 10 home runs for Indiana Tech, but he's also picked up 42 innings on the mound with 36 strikeouts. 
The series was really close earlier. Three-game series. Two of them were decided by a run. One of them went 11 innings. But I like Olivet Nazarene to win this game. I think Ethan Underwood's just a dude. Yeah, for the first time tonight, you and I are going to agree on a 4-5 matchup. I'm going to take Olivet Nazarene as well, 36-18. and 18. The thing I like about this bracket overall is, like you said, this is the first bracket where we said we can see, when we talked earlier, we could see three different teams winning this bracket. Every single team in this bracket with a team average above 300, every single team in this bracket with an ERA in the fours. I'm going to take all of it, Nazarene. They're top 10 in hits, top five in, in an extra base hit category. Give me all of it, Nazarene, in that first game. The 2-3 matchup is going to be really interesting. Indiana Wesleyan, Columbia. This one I'm looking forward to because of the pitching matchup. Yeah, arguably the best pitching matchup of the day. John Young, 8 0, 208 ERA, 61 strikeouts. Chris Wall for Columbia, 11 0, 72 innings, 201, 123 strikeouts. I mean, obviously for Indiana Wesleyan, John Young's 8 0. Chris Wall's 11 0. Someone's O's got to go. Give me Indiana Wesleyan. Columbia, I really like some of their offensive pieces. Dalton Bilmer might be all NAI ball. 424, 17 home runs, 63 RBIs. Kenny Piper, their catcher, has 16 bombs. But Indiana Wesleyan playing at home, I just I really like this team, man. I think they're really, really good. Second baseman, Denver Blinn, 377 average, 27 doubles that leads the country, nine home runs, 49 RBIs. Center fielder, Ty Thixton, 349 average with 14 bombs. I think they have good depth on the mound, too. Hunter Hoffman, an incredible number two, 69 innings pitch, 248 ERA, 79 strikeouts. Give me Indiana Wesleyan. This is going to be a really interesting matchup. Like you said, John Young, Chris Wall, uh, both of these guys have been nails this year, and both of them are going to be really, really electric on the mound. I am looking forward to this pitching matchup. I'm going to go ahead and take Columbia. I think Columbia is going to go ahead, go out there and take game one. I think Indiana Wesleyan may be playing at home, but I'm I'm just going to – something just tells me Columbia in this one, and that's that's who I'm going to roll with, 36-9. and nine. They've been pretty good this year. Uh, they've, they've had some postseason success. You know, they were pretty close, Cody, to, you know, finding their way into Lewiston. I think Chris Wall is obviously the best pitcher on their staff. I think he's just absolute nails. But – when it comes down to is are they going to have enough to get past just that game? How many times can you have Chris Wall throw in a matter of, you know, four days? So it's going to be really interesting to see. I'm going to take Columbia in that first game just over John Young in that one. When it comes to the one four five matchup, we both took Olivet Nazarene against Oklahoma Wesleyan in this one for the nightcap. Yeah. And I like Oklahoma Wesleyan, just too much firepower. Cody Muncy, 25 home runs, 88 RBIs. He's hitting 484. Absolutely insane season. Left fielder Isaac Worsland, 25 home runs of his own. A pair of teammates with 25 bombs. The DH Danny Perez, 370, 19 home runs. Crosby Bringhurst, their ace, 64 innings, 253 ERA, 76 Ks. Will be interesting to see if they throw their ace that game or not. Uh, but I like Oklahoma Wesleyan either way. Yeah, I'm I'm 100% with you on that one. I like Oklahoma Wesleyan in, in, in that for the overall tournament, though, is, you know, I know we said we could see three different teams winning this tournament. I think we're in agreement in Oklahoma Wesleyan, Indiana Wesleyan, and Columbia. Who's your dark horse and who's your favorite? See, and I actually like the dark horse. I, you know, my favorite, my, the team I like to win the tournament is going to be Indiana Wesleyan. I like Hunter Hoffman to pitch a gem on Tuesday. I like the offense to score enough runs, and I just think that, they're going to get it done, and they're going to beat Oklahoma Wesleyan on Tuesday. 
I think that it'll eventually set up to where Oklahoma Wesleyan will get a game back, and they're going to force the, if necessary, those two teams will play in the final. And give me Indiana Wesleyan at home for the first time in school history to go to Lewiston, Idaho. You know, for me, it comes down to basically, like you said, the three teams. Columbia is going to need somebody to step up in their starting pitching ranks to, to get them there. I think Indiana Wesleyan and Oklahoma Wesleyan are the closest two teams to get into Lewiston. I'm going to be boring on this one. Give me Oklahoma Wesleyan to go back to Lewiston, Idaho once again in that one. I think that just the offensive firepower is going to be too much. I don't know what it's like to play there in Marion, but man, if that's a hitter's park at all, you are going to be looking at bombs away for Oklahoma Wesleyan, and it is going to be a beautiful sight. They are just really, really, really offensive team and they have the best ERA as well in this tournament as far as the staff goes. But number one in, in runs, number one in RBIs, number one in slugging, number three in hits nationwide. I think Oklahoma Wesleyan with the firepower is just going to be too much in this one. Cody, moving on to what we can call the bracket of death. I mean, I know that's more of a, a World Cup analogy, but for this one, Cody, this is the probably the toughest bracket in the nation montgomery alabama let's kick things off with a five seed making their first ever postseason appearance out of san antonio texas it's the number five our lady of the lake university the saints out of the red river athletic conference 34 and 17 this year as the regular season champion 295 team average and a 502 team era number 10 in triples and number 18 in fielding percentage. The number four seed is Freed Hardeman University out of the Mid-South. They're 26 and 23. They got their way in on a Josh Sears single, which is insane to me. To keep their season alive was the biggest play of the game. 10 and 7 in the opening round all time, 2019 being their last appearance, 284 team average and a 609 team ERA. The number three seed is St. Thomas University out of Miami Gardens, Florida, another Sun Conference team who's 33-19, and 19, 18 and 11 all-time in opening round tournaments with their previous appearance coming in 2019 with a 321 team average and a 5.20 team ERA, number 10 in doubles, number 17 in hits, and number 15 in fielding percentage amongst the nation. The number two seed, Cody, and this was kind of a surprise, the number two seed is Faulkner out of the Southern States Athletic Conference, 35-9 and nine on the year, 25-7 and seven all-time. In the opening round, 2019 was their last appearance, a 346 team average with a 457 team ERA, number nine in average, number 10 in opponent average, and number 12 in the nation in stolen bases. And the number one seed flying all the way in from California, representing the GSAC, is Vanguard, who's 37 and 14 with a 10 and 6 opening round record coming in to the opening round for the first time since 2016 with a 311 team average and a 432 team ERA. They are fourth in the nation in fielding percentage, top 25 in opponent average, and top 25 in ERA. What do you see in this one? Who do you got? Well, I see a loaded field. I mean, just so much talent in this field. Omar Ortiz for Vanguard, Grady Connor, just two absolutely loaded bats. Justice Lucas, Sean Ross for Faulkner, Daniel Mondahar for St. Thomas. I mean, Freed Hardeman, Josh Sears, 20 home runs again. What a dude he is. Our Lady of the Lakes, Alec Martinez, has been a stellar dude on the mound. Jose Diaz might be the best two-way player in the whole tournament. Uh, I think this is going to be just a loaded field. And, uh, yeah, I, I would definitely can't wait to give my thoughts on who I think is going to win this. 
Yeah, no, man, it's going to be interesting. I mean, it, this is a loaded field. I did not see the seeding coming the, the way it was. I will say, say that, Cody. I think we can both say we were a little bit surprised to see Vanguard as the one seed in Montgomery, Alabama, with Faulkner being the two, making Faulkner play St. Thomas University in that first day. I mean, Faulkner's had a pretty good year, 35-9 and nine, normally gets you a number one seed. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. So, I mean, especially with the pedigree they have of going to Lewis in eight years in a row, uh, I cannot believe that they were the two seed. Uh, Vanguard, I thought, was going to be a one seed, too. So it's not like we don't think Vanguard's a one seed. We would have done some shuffling elsewhere. It's not a slight to Vanguard because uh, we thought that they were a one as well. But, uh, yeah, honestly, you're putting two teams that we thought were two one seeds together in the same tournament. And then yeah. you're throwing in St. Thomas, Freed Hardman, and Our Lady of the Lake, who just won the regular season in the Red River. So, Loaded field, I think one through five, this is the best bracket in the tournament. I don't even think it's close. I don't even think it's close. No, by far. This is this is the absolute best bracket in the tournament. And what an introduction to postseason play for Our Lady of the Lake. Like, hey, here you go. Here's four freaking juggernauts, uh, three of them with recent NAI World Series experience. Like, here you go. First year, first appearance. Have at it. Uh, let's get yeah. things going with that four or five game. I mean, even Vanguard went in 2016. So all four of the teams in this have been since 2016 for Our Lady of the Lake. That's really tough. For the 4-5 or five game, I am going to take Freed Hardeman. I just, the pedigree, I think the talent with Josh Sears, their lineup, Von Watson, and Jacob Sawyers. I think he's going to be the difference here. 1-9-4 ERA, 46 innings pitch, 71 Ks. Absolute dude on the mound. For Our Lady of the Lake, like we said, Alec Martinez, 64 innings, 3-3-6 ERA. Really good pitcher, Jose Diaz. 16 doubles, four home runs, hitting 380. But I just like Freed Hardeman, man. Josh Sears, 383, 20 home runs, 52 RBIs. I think Freed Hardeman's going to get it done in this 4-5 game. Yeah, no, this is this is going to be really interesting because you have a team with a ton of postseason experience like Freed Hardeman going up against a relatively new team who's never experienced this in Our Lady of the Lake. Uh you know, I get to watch Our Lady of the Lake on a on a regular basis. They have wins over Oklahoma Wesleyan this year. You know, they've beaten some really good teams. Four wins against a two seed in, in LSU Shreveport. So they've beaten some good teams, but I think Freed Hardeman is going to be their toughest test of the year since they played Central Methodist to open the season. It is going to be really interesting to see. You know, I, I'm Really proud of Our Lady Lake and everything that they've been able to accomplish. They have 10 kids from my home area, Cody, which I know you, you know is a big deal to me. 10 kids from the Rio Grande Valley representing the 956 and the RGV. Uh, I do have to give a shout out to Ram Maldonado, who I called him his brother, Robbie, on the last episode. Uh, shout out to Ram. I mean, it's not like they don't, not like they look alike or anything like that. But, you know, uh, whose little brother Ricky plays for me on my, my 12U team. And, uh, you know, they've been doing some really great things this year, but I'm going to have to give the edge to Freed Hardeman on this one. I think the experience is going to be a little bit too much. And Freed Hardeman has so many guys from those back-to-back World Series runs that they made. The craziest thing to me in all of this, Cody, is that if you had told me Josh Sears hit a walk-off home run to keep their season alive, I'd be like, all right, yeah, like that's not surprising. But if you tell me Josh Sears hit an infield single and beat the ball out to first base to keep their season alive, I probably would have been like, absolutely not. No, he didn't. I've seen Josh Sears. But I watched that game, and it was absolute beauty to see that guy hustle down the line and make something good happen on a 
on a you know what was essentially a tough play for the shortstop and get in there and keep his team's season alive and give them a chance to walk it off later down the line. I mean, absolutely so. Like I said it before on the spaces, I don't know why Georgetown pitched to him. You had a base open. I get not wanting to put the winning run on, but Josh Sears, even though he showed that he is quick, is not exactly Ricky Henderson out there. So I would have put Josh Sears on, made someone else beat you. They didn't. And unfortunately for Georgetown, that cost them their season. It really did, man. I think we're both going to go with Freed Hardeman in this one. So we'll move on to the 2-3 matchup of Faulkner and St. Thomas, which this is a matchup of two titans in the opening round tournament. Absolutely so. And I think you're probably going to get Julie Sosa versus Ernesto Pino. And uh, give me Faulkner. I just think Faulkner at home. I think they're the better team this year anyway. Justice Lucas, 407 average, 10 doubles, 9 home runs, 48 RBIs. The shortstop, Sean Ross, 325, 12 home runs, 36 RBIs, playing really well right now. Uh, I just like Faulkner. St. Thomas is a really good. They got Ernesto Pino, who's got 67 innings, 378. Alejandro Rivero, 374 average, 11 home runs. Daniel Mondahar, 378, 10 home runs. I think just St. Thomas is a really good team. I just think they got a bad draw, you know? Sometimes you just run into a team that's just a little bit better than you, and I think that's what's going to happen here. 100% agree. I think this is going to be an interesting one. It's really, I mean, Sean Ross, an absolute dude, but I'm going to go with Faulkner in this one also, and I think Faulkner throws Sosa, and, you know, I think St. Thomas can be able to score some runs, but it's going to be can you outproduce Faulkner, and that's going to be the tough part. So give me Faulkner in that one. Freed Hardeman versus Vanguard, Cody, in the nightcap. Uh, Vanguard needs to be on upset alert because Freed Hardeman is probably going to throw Alex Huey a uh, really good lefty with good strikeout stuff, who actually went on the road and beat Southeastern this year. Pitched really well against Southeastern. He's a guy that can really, when he's dealing, he's a, got really good stuff. I'm going to go with Vanguard, though. I think Vanguard's going to win. I think this is a game you're going to look at Dak stats. You're going to look and see Freed Hardeman's up like 3 nothing in the second. But I just think Vanguard's going to call their way back. We mentioned it. Omar Ortiz, 11 home runs, 50 RBIs. Grady Connor, 13 home runs, 39 RBIs. I just like Vanguard. I think Justin Graves is going to go out there, get it done. 3-4-1 ERA for them. 71 innings pitched. Uh, just been an absolute dude. Give me Vanguard. It is going to be close. It is going to be a really good ball game. I think it's going to come down to the wire. I think Vanguard edges out Freed Hardeman in that one. Cody, is there a favorite in this bracket? Because I feel like calling anybody – a dark horse is insane, but do you have somebody that you feel like will win this bracket? Yeah, I'm going to pick Faulkner because I think Faulkner is going to throw Frias in that Tuesday game. I think Frias is the best pitcher Vanguard will have seen all year. Uh, absolute dude, 10 and 0, 219 ERA, 104 punch outs in 70 innings. Uh, just absolute dude, pitched in Lewiston, pitched at the Juco World Series. Uh, I just think he's going to lead them to a victory in game two. And I don't think you're, you know, Faulkner at that point. We'll have to lose twice, and I'm not picking it. So give me Faulkner to win the bracket over Vanguard. And uh, this is a bold prediction, but I actually think Faulkner's going to sweep. I think they'll go 3-0. Death, taxes, and Faulkner to the World Series. You and I are going to feel the same on that one. I think Faulkner is just really, really, really good. I mean, 35-9. and nine, I, I'm, I'm really hard-pressed to f- see that they're not the number one seed in this. You know, uh, very interesting move here. But I am going to go with Faulkner in this one. I think that they do edge out Vanguard. It might have to go. I think it's going to go a little bit longer, but I do see Faulkner going ahead and getting the win 
dogpiling and going back to Lewiston, Idaho. Cody, this has been the one I've been waiting for. New Orleans, Louisiana. Man, I I did the calculations and how long it would take me to get there. It is just a little bit too far, 690 miles from me in McAllen, Texas. But man alive, I want to be there. If I could be at any bracket, it would be this one. Let's jump, though, into the teams who are in this bracket, three of them making their first ever postseason appearance. And we'll kick things off with number five, Ottawa out of Kansas, representing the KCAC at 35 and 18, their first opening round tournament appearance with a 315 team ERA, or excuse me, a 315 team average and a 4.91 team ERA, number 11 in batter struck out and a top 25 team in hits. The number four seed is Benedictine out of the heart, 34 and 14, making their first postseason appearance with a .324 team average and a 599 team ERA, number 11 in stolen bases, 16th in slugging, and 21st in triples. Then the three seed are the stars of Oklahoma City, representing the Sooner Athletic Conference at 33-17. and 17. They were a team early in the year that we weren't sure what the heck was going to happen with them. They have battled back. They are 24-10 and 10 all-time in opening round tournaments. Their last appearance was in 2019. A 349 team average leads the way as the best in all of the, against all of the teams in this tournament, but with a 558 team ERA, they are fourth in slugging, fifth in doubles, seventh in average. The two seed, the boys from the Palm Beaches, representing the Sun Conference out of West Palm Beach, Florida, is Kaiser University, 33 and 16, eight and seven all time. In opening round tournaments, their last appearance was 2018. They are hitting 317 as a team with a 404 team ERA, top 15 in RBIs, top 20 in ERA, top 25 in hits. And the number one seed out of New Orleans, Louisiana, making their first ever tournament appearance is Loyola, representing the Southern States Athletic Conference at 36 and 13, 293 team average with a 355 team ERA. Top 10 in the nation in ERA, top 25 in opponent average, top 25 in stolen bases this season. Cody, I am so excited for this tournament. I mean, offense, offense, offense. I mean, you said it's kind of a graveyard there, but if it was played at like a Bartlesville, man, the ball would fly because honestly, so many good offenses in this bracket. I think the 4-5 matchup is extremely compelling. You got two teams from Kansas sent down there to play in Louisiana. Uh, that Kaiser, Oklahoma City, that 2-3, I mean, Faulkner, St. Thomas, Kaiser, Oklahoma City, arguably the best two threes in the whole field. Super excited for that one. And Loyola, I think Loyola, I'm just super excited, man. It's their first year, obviously, in the big dance, and they get to host their own bracket, and I'm excited to see what they do. So, yeah, this is a really good bracket with a ton of offensive studs. If you don't know, and I know Cody knows, but if you don't know why this is a big deal for me, There's three reasons. One, the number three seed, Oklahoma City. When I was in college at Northwood University in Cedar Hill, Texas, OCU to me, outside of Texas Wesleyan, was the team that everybody wanted to beat. OCU, Denny Crayball, they are absolutely a fantastic ball club. They have won more games in college baseball than anybody since 2001. They are a powerhouse. They have one of the best one through fives in the lineup anywhere in the nation that you'll be able to find. They are clearly an offensive heavy team and they come with all of the blue chip pedigree in this one. The number two seed is my former employer 
Kaiser University, where I spent a year of college in West Palm Beach, Florida, and also worked for them for four years. So that one has a lot to do with this also. And then the one seed Loyola, my former head baseball coach and former teammate and friend, Stephen Bruce, the pitching coach, and former head coach, Jeremy Kennedy at Loyola. This is going to be interesting, Cody. I can look over to my left on a chair, and there's a Kaiser hat and a Loyola hat there, and I just grab one as I'm leaving the house. Uh, This is going to be absolutely crazy, man. I am super excited for this. This is the one, the tournament that I will be locked into the absolute most here. Let's get things going with the 4-5 matchup. Benedictine, Kansas, Ottawa, Kansas going all the way to New Orleans, Louisiana to play each other. Both of them with their first ever opening round tournament appearances in this one. Who you got? Really good matchup, man. Ottawa's got Ryland Kratzenberg, one of the best players in the country. 22 home runs, 72 RBIs, their first baseman. Holland Bone, 384 average, 14 home runs, 55 RBIs. Uh, for Benedictine, Michael Slayton, the center fielder, 401 average, 20 home runs, 71 RBIs. Shortstop, Daryl Myers, uh, pretty much an all in nine ball lock, 450, 21 doubles, 14 home runs. I am going with Ottawa, and let me tell you why. A guy by the name of Stephen Norrell, not only did he like run rule you in MLB The Show, but he has, <laughs> okay. 90, yeah, he has 91 innings pitched and 120 strikeouts. He's been an absolute dude. This Ottawa team is hot. They swept through the KCAC tournament. This was a team that was not going to make the field if they didn't steal a bid. They did. I mean, they swept through the tournament in impressive fashion. Uh, Give me Ottawa. Give me Steven Norrell to throw a gem, too. I think he's going to really hold down this Benedictine offense, and I think they're going to play themselves into the play in the one seed. Uh, A reminder for anybody that plays me in MLB The Show, if you win, it doesn't count. You know, I, I let you win. And if I win, then you clearly aren't any good. But Stephen Norell did, you know, there was a scrimmage and he did run roll me in a scrimmage. Uh, did not count for anything really, Cody. So that, you know, take that for what it's worth. But this is going to be a big time matchup. You've got a, a, just an absolute stellar offense in Benedictine against Ottawa. Stephen Norell, I'm back and forth on this one, back and forth on this one. I've thought about it all day. I'm going to just take Benedictine with the edge. I think that that the offense, I mean, they've got two guys at the top of the order that are just absolute freaking monsters. Daryl Myers. Michael Slayton. Michael Slayton might be the most underrated superstar in the NAI as far as guys who have been at their school for four years. Super excited for this one. I'm going to go with Benedictine in that one. The 2-3 matchup is Kaiser OCU. What a stellar matchup. I mean, if you like name brand and like, you know, just like box office sells, this is the one. Uh, Pablo Revelo, obviously an absolute dude. One five two ERA, 100 strikeouts. Third baseman Tim Bouchard was our all nine ball third baseman. 405 average, 16 home runs, 62 RBIs. Matthew Catalfo hitting 390 with seven home runs and 56 RBIs. Going over to Oklahoma City, Dalton Reed cannot talk enough about this guy. 452, 23 home runs, 71 RBIs. The center fielder Gunnar Halter, 386, 20 doubles, 14 home runs. I mean, this team can hit, hit, and hit. Give me Kaiser, though, and I'm going to tell you why. Because I think you're forced to throw your guy. You have to throw Pablo Revelo in this game against this offense. And I just think Pablo Revelo is good to quiet anyone in the country. And I think he's going to get this win. For purely selfish reasons, I'm going to take Kaiser as well. But OCU has been a team that we have been on all year. We have talked a lot of OCU this season. Uh, 
cross factor is somebody that's absolutely special in that lineup. They have so many dudes in that lineup. I think OCU is easily going to be able to battle their way back and be in contention. I think there's three teams that can win this, but I'm going to go with, oh, uh, excuse me, with KU with the boys from the Palm beaches to win this first game on day one. That brings up Cody, the four or five matchup Loyola. One of us had Benedictine. One of us had Ottawa who you got against either one of those teams against Loyola. I like Loyola. Whether they throw Steven Steele, who has a 2.67 ERA in 57 innings, or John Blanchard, a third, who has a 2.25 ERA in 52 innings, give me Loyola. I mean, Alan Dennis, 16 doubles, 10 home runs, 54 RBIs. Peyton Alexander, the Southern States Player of the Year, 390, 12 doubles, 4 triples, 9 bombs. I like Loyola. They're just too deep. Yeah, I think Loyola and Loyola's team average, I think, is also a result of the ballpark they play at. It is not super hitter friendly. You know, even when the wind blows out there, uh, you can get a crosswind. I, I don't think that this, you know, that this team's offense gets all the credit that they deserve, but I think that their pitching is absolutely special. And they have quite a few dudes who are just beginning their journey as well, as far as, as pitching goes in this Loyola lineup uh, and, and staff. They have guys that have stepped up in big roles in big weekends when they need it. You know, we saw them go toe to toe. They were so close, you know, in that Faulkner series, Faulkner was so close to taking, uh, you know, two or three Loyola was so close to sweeping it. So, you know, this series is, this tournament is going to be absolutely insane. Give me Loyola against either one of those teams. Cody, I will let you go first in this one uh, while I ponder it a little bit more about who I'm going to pick, but go ahead and give me who your tournament champion. And if there is a dark horse. Yeah, I'm going to go with Loyola because like if Kaiser somehow, could save Pablo Arevalo and still beat Oklahoma City, then maybe things will change because I think Pablo Arevalo is a top five in the IA pitcher. But I don't think they will. I think they're going to have to throw their guy. And I just think Loyola has better depth behind them on the mound. Uh, whether it's Steven Steele or John Blanchard, like I said, they have two really, really good guys ready to go. And I just think that the lineup is too deep. I actually like Loyola's lineup a little bit better. And I got Loyola to win that game. And I have Loyola to win the whole bracket. I think they're going to go to Lewiston. I think this could be a bracket, like you said, where we're going to play through an if necessary game. Like you said, I think Oklahoma City is going to be pesky. I think they're going to start 0-1. I think they're going to win a couple of games. And uh, give me actually Loyola and Oklahoma City in the final. I think Oklahoma City is going to lose a game, come back, play to the final, but give me Loyola to punch their ticket. I wish I was Lee Corso right now with like a mascot head that I could put on. Uh, This is one that I've gone back and forth on a little bit because they're obviously, you know, I'm – I went to Kaiser for a year uh, to finish my degree, but my degree says Northwood, Texas on it. You know, I worked at Kaiser. Uh, my my head coach who I communicate with every single day is Jeremy Kennedy, and he has done more for me in my life than anybody not named my parents. This one is going to be really interesting for me. I am super excited about it. I know I posted it uh, on Instagram and Twitter and my phone blew up with former teammates from Northwood, Texas, as well as some from Kaiser, about one, who was I rooting for, and two, uh, where could they watch it? I'm all in. You know, I'm I'm a big believer in in family, and I'm all in on Loyola, man. This one is going to be absolutely exciting for me. And, and Jeremy Kennedy is family, and he will always be family. Him and Robert Garza, and every guy that I ever got to put on a uniform with or stand next to. And so I'm going to go with Loyola in this one. I'm super excited about it. I hope we get Loyola Kaiser like three times 
it's going to be absolutely fun. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to this new Orleans, Louisiana uh, tournament. And so with that being said, taking Loyola, uh, and then I imagine that they're going to use, you said Loyola OCU. I'm going to take Loyola and Kaiser meeting up in the championship for that one as well. Moving on here to O'Fallon, Missouri, where the number five seed is Doan out of the G-Pack, who's 35-17-1 with a 4-6 and six record, with their last appearance being in 2014, a 327 team ERA and a 538 team ERA, top 15 in hits, top 20 in doubles. The number four seed is McPherson out of the KCAC, 36-13. and 13. It is their first ever appearance in the postseason. They actually lead this tournament in offense with a team average of 349 and a 575 team ERA, number three in slugging, number four in RBIs, top 10 in hits. The number three team is Benu Mesa out of the Calpac, 31 and 14 in their first ever postseason appearance, hitting 328 as a team with a 459 team ERA, number one in triples in the nation, top 25 in average. The number two seed is William Carey out of the Southern States, the Southern States tournament champion. 34 and 10, 15 and 11 all time with their last appearance coming in 2018, a 319 team average and a 374 team ERA, six, number six in the nation in opponent average, number 13 in ERA as well. And the number one seed in O'Fallon, Missouri is Central Methodist University out of the heart, 43 and six, one and four all time in the opening round with their last appearance coming in 2018, according to the NAI webpage with a 343 team average and a 322 team ERA, number two in the nation in ERA, Cody, number seven in opponent average, and number 11 in team offensive average. This is going to be a good one. Yeah, I absolutely believe it's going to be a fantastic bracket. I think that this, because I was torn, honestly, I was torn. I'm not going to give it yet, but I was torn on the winner. I was torn between two teams on the winner, and that makes for a fantastic bracket. I think there's a lot of offensive firepower in the bracket. I think there's a lot of huge names in this bracket. When you look at All-Americans like Trevor Johnson, Kyle Lux, those are two All-Americans. Mason Swellbach, he was an All-American. I mean, you have three guys that were recognized by the official NAI All-American. So, I mean, there's huge star names. Lucas White was a guy last year that arguably finishes the top hitter, didn't qualify for enough bats, but had the best batting average in the country to end last season for Dome. Uh, Tyler Jacobson's been a dude. He pitched against D1 New Mexico State. I mean, I think this is going to be a really good bracket. Yeah, no, I, I agree. This is going to be a great one, and we'll we'll start things off with that day one matchup. That first matchup of the day in that four five game is going to be McPherson and Doan. Who are you thinking? Well, I think Doan's going to either throw Travis Cowan or Jordan Wisner. Jordan Wisner, fifty five innings, three two five ERA, sixty nine punchouts in fifty five innings. Really good year for Doan. G Pack co regular season champions, finished runner up in the tournament. Clearly the number two in the G Pack this year. But I'm going to roll with McPherson, man. Just too much offense. McPherson actually swept all four games over Dome this year. I think they're going to take a fifth. Trevor Johnson, 418, 14 home runs, 65 RBIs. Kyle Lux, 392, 14 home runs. James Kennard, 20 home runs, 70 RBIs, leads the team. I mean, he plays on a team with two All-Americans, and he leads the team in RBIs and home runs. Uh, Give me Alex Escobar to go out there. He's throwing 70 innings this year. I think he's going to go out there and get the win. I'm going to take McPherson. I, too, am going to take McPherson in this one. I think that their offense is is just absolutely stellar. And I think that, you know, they have the highest offensive average in this bracket. Uh, they're top 10 in a lot of offensive categories. I'm going to go ahead and take McPherson in that first matchup. That second matchup is going to be William Carey, Benny Mesa. That'll be an interesting one. You have to imagine Sloan Dieter on the mound for William Carey. 
Yeah, I mean, that's one that you wonder, though. You wonder if, if a team is going to hold back their dude, if they can hold back their guy, that might be the time to hold back Sloan Dieter. I don't know if they'll do it. Obviously, I'm projecting. But Sloan Dieter's been fantastic. 1.89 ERA in 86 innings, 102 punch outs. He also has 15 home runs. I mean, he's just an incredible player. Uh, their center fielder, Blake Freeman, hitting 369, 16 doubles, six home runs. Absolutely went off against Walker in the title game in their conference. Right fielder Chris Williams, 362 average, 11 doubles, seven home runs. He was a guy that was on Perfect Games, top prospects a couple of years ago. For Benyu Mesa, Michael Garverick, 358 average, 13 doubles, seven triples, five bombs. Starting pitcher Tyler Jacobson, we mentioned him, 68 innings pitched, 304 ERA. I'm going to go with William Carey. I think William Carey's played better teams. I think they played the better schedule. And I just think that they're going to get it done. They're hot right now. I mean, they, they are really hot right now. They swept through that conference tournament. And with or without Sloan Dieter, I think that they're going to get it done. Overall, the, the better conference ha- has been the Southern States. And I think it's been one of the best conferences in the nation this year. Top two. Yeah, you know, I think it's interchangeable. Them in the Sun Conference. Uh, William Carey, I think if they throw Sloan Dieter, yes, absolutely in the win there. I think, you know, but they've had several guys step up. And if they play if they're able to come out and play with the same high, en- high energy and the same level as they did in the SSAC tournament, they are going to be absolutely dangerous. Give me William Carey in that one. Cody, we both took McPherson. They would take on Central Methodist later that night. All right, so anytime you have an offense like McPherson, you got to be on upset alert. But I think Central Methodist obviously knows that. They have the conference pitcher of the year in the heart, Nick Merkel, 76 innings pitched. A two ERA flat, 100 strikeouts. Mason Schwellenbach, 76 innings pitched, 214 ERA, 98 punch outs. He also has 11 home runs at the plate. Uh, the shortstop, Sergio Macias, 400 average, 17 home runs. First baseman, Logan Herring, 378, 18 home runs. Uh, give me Central Methodist. Just way too deep on the mound, too deep at the plate. They're really well balanced. I like the Eagles. Yeah, I like the Eagles also. I think that there's multiple arms that they could throw out there in that first game and be successful. It is going to be really interesting to see which way they go with it. Um, I, I'm going to take Central Methodist, but when it comes to the overall tournament, Cody, I think you and I are going to differ on who we have as our winner. Potentially, but I flip back and forth, so I don't know who you know if I know where I'm going with this. Oh, I don't. I'm, I, yeah, I flip back, man. I did flip back. You know, after crunching numbers all day, I am going to go with Central Methodist. After looking over things, I mean, I, I was leaning William Carey early, and I believe that's what you were thinking. Mm-hmm. I was leaning William Carey, but I just think Central Methodist is too deep. I think on the mound, they're too deep. Mason Swellenbach, when your number three is a guy like Kenny Otero, a D1 transfer from Abilene Christian, who was lights out last year, I mean, that's a heck of a number three. Offensively, they're so deep. I mean, their nine-hole Devin Garcia was popping bombs earlier this year, I remember. I just – give me Central Methodist. I think if William Carey can win that first game without Sloan, throwing Sloan Dieter, they have a great shot to win this tournament. I just don't think they're going to. I think that they're going to throw their dude, like you said. No one wants a Travis Watson, Aaron Ford situation. So I just – I got to go with Central Methodist because in that second game, you're going to be telling me it's going to be Schwellenbach versus Carey's number two, and I'm going to go Schwellenbach every time. It is going to be – I think this tournament's going to come down between Central Methodist and William Carey. I think – it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in this one. Uh, I think that maybe if you had asked me a few weeks ago what, how steep the drop-off is from Sloan Dieter to everybody else on the William Carey pitching staff a few weeks ago, I would have said, yeah, it's pretty massive. 
But after watching the Southern States Athletic Conference tournament and seeing the way that William Carey played, man, it was not as steep of a drop as you know I, I really expected it to be. And several people from around that conference told me, watch out for this team. And I think they're going to be super ultra competitive in this one, but I think Central Methodist has built a team to go to Lewiston this year, and I think they're going to get it done. I think they are one of the most impressive offenses I've seen in person in the last couple of years uh, that I got to watch this year. I know it was opening weekend, but they went to a ballpark that is not hitter-friendly whatsoever and were just throwing the ball out of the ballpark left and right, and I'd never seen that done offensively in that ballpark before. So this is going to be really interesting to watch. I'm going to take Central Methodist as well. Final three brackets, Cody. Let's fly out to California, baby. Let's start things off with the number five seed, Corbin out of Oregon, representing the Cascade at 22 and 29, making their first ever opening round appearance. Their team average is 248 with a 590 ERA. The number four seed is St. Catharines University, the tournament champion of the Cal Pack, 29 and 16, making their first ever appearance in their first year of eligibility with a 351 team average and a 588 team ERA number five in the nation in average top 10 in slugging top 20 in hits the number three seed is Westmont the host team out of the GSAC 27 and 18 7 and 10 all-time in opening round tournaments with their previous appearance coming in 2019 a 301 team average and a 594 team ERA the number two seed is Hope International, also out of the GSAC, 27-13, and 13, with a 6-2 and two opening round record all-time. Their last appearance in 2019, team average of 296 and a team ERA of 5-1-5. They are top 15 in the nation in fielding percentage as well. And then the number one seed all the way from Lawrenceville, Georgia, is Georgia Gwinnett College, representing the AII 42 and nine this year with a 17 and seven all-time record in the opening round 2019 their last appearance 374 team average and a 379 team era their team average is almost higher than their team era number one in the nation in doubles number two in triples number two in average number two in stolen bases and top 10 in hits what you got for us as far as the teams go here I think it's going to be a high-scoring bracket. The ball flies out west in the GSAC Conference, and I think with Hope International, Georgia Gwinnett, and Westmont, and a team like St. Catherine you know, as your four seed, I think there's just a ton of offense here. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. I think there's going to be a ton of offense, and I'm super excited to get after it, so let's break it down. St. Catherine's Corbin in that first game, Cody. I'm going to go with St. Catherine's. I'm just going to start that one off. Corbin has an absolute dude in Zach Simon. 1.88 ERA in 62 innings. A uh, really good pitcher, but St. Catharines, I just like the offense a little too much. Dylan Jacob, 456 average, 18 home runs, 51 RBIs. That St. Catharines team's hitting north of 350 as a four seed. Give me St. Catharines. The 2-3 matchup is Hope International and Westmont, two GSAC foes meeting up once again this season. Yeah, you know, this is a huge game because it's. I'm interested to see if Hope International is going to throw their number one, Izzy Fuentes, uh, conference pitcher of the year. You would like to beat Westmont, win that game. You've taken six of eight off Westmont this year. You would like to win that game, saving Fuentes for Gwinnett, but I don't know that they do. I think they're going to throw Fuentes, and I think Hope International is going to beat Westmont again. I think HIU is going to is going to beat Westmont as well. Um, it'll be really interesting to see what they do with Fuentes because I would ultimately I'd love to see GGC versus Fuentes in in that matchup. So that brings us to St. Catharines 
in Georgia Gwinnett. Yeah, I'm just going to take Georgia Gwinnett. I think they're just a little bit more talented, and they're going to maybe have their guy on the mound, either Adam McKillican or Hunter Dolander, and I think it's just going to be too much offense. Griffin Keller, Livingston Morris, give me Gwinnett. Griffin Keller is putting together an absolute special season at GGC. Give me Gwinnett as well. Cody, who you got overall in this one? I know it's it's one that's going to be really interesting. Georgia Gwinnett flying all the way out west, already heading out there as we are recording this. I think it's really a two-team race between GGC and HIU. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Give me Georgia Gwinnett. Uh, would not surprise me at all. I think this is going to go to the if necessary game. I think Hope's going to take a game off of them. But I think Gwinnett's going to get it done. Like you said, Griffin Keller hitting 495, 12 home runs. Livingston Morris hitting 400, but 11 home runs. Uh, give me Gwinnett with Hunter Dolander, uh, Kevin Kyle. I just think that they're going to have enough pitching in the end to just maybe we win that last game. I think it's going to be really competitive. Would not be surprised if Hope takes it. They're a talented team. They've been to a World Series before back in 2017. But I like Gwinnett. I too like Gwinnett. I, I think it's going to come down to the wire, like you said, probably an if necessary game. But I'm I'm going to go ahead and give Gwinnett the edge in that one. The last two tournament brackets, Cody. Let's kick things off in Williamsburg, Kentucky, with the number five seed Mayville State representing the North Star at 35 and 16, four and 12 all time in opening rounds, with their last being in 2017. A 264 team average and a 399 team ERA. The number four seed is Point Park out of the River States. They're 37 and 14 with a five and six all time record in the opening round, with their last appearance being in 2018. Hitting wise, they're hitting 309, and for their ERA as a staff, it's 332. They are top 10 in team ERA, top 25 in opponent average. The number three seed was a bubble team, Reinhardt out of the Appalachian Athletic, 32 and 19. Three and one all time in opening rounds. As far as average goes, they are hitting 269 with a 446 team ERA. The number two seed is LSU Shreveport out of the Red River Athletic Conference, 40 and 13 this year with a 16 and 18 all time opening round record. Their last appearance in 2019. 333 on the dot for team average with a 481 team ERA. And the number one seed is Cumberland's Kentucky out of the Mid-South, 46-6. and 4-6 and all-time opening round record with their last appearance in 2019. 343 team average with a 331 team ERA. Top five in ERA, top 10 in slugging, top 10 in total. Batters struck out, top 10 in fielding, and top 10 in hits. Cody, this is going to be an interesting one, and I'm I'm really excited to see what happens here because I think that right away in that 4-5 matchup, you've got a Point Park team that can maybe do something. Yeah, Point Park's been really good this year. I mean, you look at some of their players, Ruben Ramirez, uh, sub-1 ERA, 0.95 ERA, 67 innings as a reliever, no starts, 0.95 ERA, six wins, nine saves, absolute dude. You look at Ed Fluger, seven home runs on the team, Antonio Carrillo, Six home runs, 36 RBIs. I do like them to take that Mayville State game. I just think that they're a little bit too much. I think Point Park's really good. Uh, Mayville State, Parker Store, really good on the mound. Jared McCorister, 295 average, seven home runs. I think it'll be a close game, but I think in the end, Point Park's going to have a lead, and their dude, Ruben Ramirez, will close it out. Yeah, it is going to be really interesting. I think in that 4-5 matchup, we both take Point Park. When it comes to the 3-2, Cody, Reinhardt, LSUS, that's going to be an interesting one. You know, it's crazy. A couple of days ago, we were wondering, are these teams in the tournament? Uh, LSUS yeah. rallied off five straight elimination wins for LSUS. 
dropped the conference opener five straight, clinched their bid, and now they're a two seed. I mean, funny how things changed in a couple of days. Really interesting matchup. I'm going to take Shreveport. Give me Sebastian Selway, 3-2-3 ERA, 78 strikeouts. He pitched really well the other day. Uh, Selway's just been a dude. Peyton Robertson, 393 average, 15 doubles, four triples, five home runs. And uh, the center fielder, Cody Cole, deleted off. 16 doubles, four home runs, 40 RBIs. Reinhardt has a couple of guys. Albert Mora, 10 home runs, 45 RBIs. Andres Ugarte, 343 average, 12 doubles. Daniel Delinsky, obviously, 308 ERA, 79 innings pitch, 75 strikeouts. I just think Shreveport's a little bit too much offensively. I think they'll be able to score more runs, and I just give me the pilots. Yeah, no, I'm going to take LSUS also. I think that their offense is just going to be a little bit too much. It'll be interesting to see. I know Reinhardt's got some good pitching there, especially with Delensky, but I think the the offensive edge is going to be just a little bit too much for Reinhardt, LSUS, and that one. Point Park versus Cumberland's Cody will be an interesting one as well for that nightcap. Yeah, I got Cumberland's in a route, honestly. I think Cumberland's the best team in the bracket. Look at Brian Lee, 431 average, 27 homers, 79 RBIs. Colton Easterwood, I don't think they'll throw him, but he has been a dude. 2.25 ERA. He has 111 punch outs in 76 innings. Uh, he's a guy that throws 90 plus, absolute ace. Thomas Gutierrez, the guy I do believe they will throw. 10 and 0 on the year, 60 innings, 2.10 ERA with 71 punch outs. What a number two to have. Jose Rojas, 410 average, 19 doubles, four home runs, 56 RBIs. I will take the Patriots to win that game comfortably. Same. I'm going to take Cumberland's as well. And Cody, just overall in the tournament, I think it's UC's year. Absolutely. I like them to sweep through the tournament. They actually have a win over Point Park earlier this year, too. I think that they're the best team in this bracket, bar none. I think they're going to go 3-0. and And I don't even think they're going to have to sweat it. I, th- I know that they've been a couple of times. I know a couple of times watching Gwinnett where you lose and you lose back-to-back years. And then when Gwinnett broke through again in 2018 after a couple of years, uh, they just controlled it, dominated it, and swept it. I think that's what's going to happen here with Cumberland's. I think they're going to be able to enjoy these three days, and they're going to Lewiston for the first time. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm 100% in agreement. I think that this is their year to go to Lewiston. I think that their team is special. I think Brian Leaf is absolutely a monster and is 1,000% in talks for uh, National Player of the Year for the NAI. You know, in postseason stats, 100% count. It counts – the NAI counts all stats – during a season uh, as far as overall cumulative stats go. So I am 200% looking forward to him throwing up some big numbers in this. I think it's going to be Cumberland's in that one. So let's go to our last but not least bracket in this one in Winter Haven, Florida, with the number five seed being out of the AII out of Massachusetts. It's Fisher, who's 31-20, and making their first ever appearance with a team average of 299 and a team ERA of 615. They're top 10 in triples. The number four seed getting into the tournament this season is USCB out of the Sun Conference, who's 31-21, and 8-7 overall all-time in the opening round. With their last appearance coming in 2016, they are hitting 306 as a team with a 5.43 team ERA. The number three team, in this tournament out of the Appalachian Athletic is Bryant with a 35 and 16 record, 6 and 10 all time in the opening round with their last appearance coming in 2019, a 311 team average and a 552 team ERA. The number two seed is Middle Georgia State out of the Southern States Athletic Conference, 34 and 19, 6 and 8 all time in the opening round with their last appearance in the opening round tournament coming in 2019. Team average wise, 292, team ERA, 494. 
They're top 20 in batters struck out. And then the number one seed out of the Sun Conference in Lakeland, Florida, is Southeastern University at 47-7, and 10-6 and six in the opening round tournament, a 350 team average, a 3.45 team ERA, number one team in the nation in hits, number two team in the nation in batters struck out, top five in doubles, top 10 in average. Honestly, a very good bracket, extremely good offensively. USCB, Brian Fisher, Middle Georgia Southeastern, all five teams can absolutely rake. And I think the, all these matchups, you're going to have a lot of runs. I mean, I think the four or five matchup is going to have big time runs. And I think the two, three matchups going to explode. It is going to be really interesting, man. So let's kick it off. USCB, Fisher, who you got? I'm going to take USCB. Yeah, give me USCB. Landy Castro, obviously one of the best players in the conference. 411, 22 doubles, 11 home runs. Clint Sellers, 16 doubles, six home runs. Uh, I just think USCB is going to be too much. For Fisher, Mitchell Lovehome, 326, 37 RBIs. But I like the sand charts. Yeah, I like USCB in that one. Also, the 2-3 game is going to be really interesting. Middle Georgia State and Brian. Middle Georgia State has been uh, not as offensive heavy as we've seen. We saw. I thought we saw a pretty good showing from them in the SSAC tournament. But Middle Georgia State, pitching-wise, I think this is one of their best years ever, pitching-wise. Brian, it'll depend on if Cuomo's ready to go. I don't know, but I'm going to pick Brian in that first game. I think they're just going to be able to outslug him. Wade Weinberger, 16 home runs, 61 RBIs. David Scoggins hitting 329 with eight home runs. And Jacob Justice, 16 bombs. For Middle Georgia, if Jarrett Martin's on the mound that first game and he pitches well, they obviously have a shot. 86 innings pitched, 214 ERA, 111 strikeouts. He's been stellar. Honestly, if he's pitching well, they're going to win that game. Ryan Wilson hitting 388, four home runs. Hopefully they get Joel Ellis back. He did not play at all in the conference tournament, but he has seven home runs and 40 RBIs. He's a big bat in the lineup, and they're going to need him. Yeah, that's going to be a good one. I'm I'm going to give Middle Georgia State the edge there just based on I think that they're having a, a really good pitching year, and I'm, I'm just going to edge out Middle Georgia State in that one. USCB versus Southeastern is an interesting one. These two teams met three times already last week. USCB took the first game, but then Southeastern came out and won two games in a row to win the Sun Conference Tournament. Yeah, give me Southeastern. With everything on the line here, Southeastern's going to be ready to go. Uh, Nick Batari, 412 average, 21 home runs. That's a program record. 51 RBIs for him as well. Pedro Castellano, 355, 15 bombs, 81 RBIs. 81 RBIs for Pedro. Absolutely insane. I just think Southeastern's loaded. Whether they're throwing Christian Camacho, who has 92 innings but a 293 ERA, Jaden Hartle, 40 punch outs in 34 innings, or DJ Roberts, who has a 3-4-6 ERA. They have so many arms. They're kind of like a Tennessee Wesleyan where they just have so many quality arms. I think with everything on the line, give me Southeastern. I think they're just the more talented team. Cody, I'm going to take Southeastern as well, but then I'm also going to take Southeastern and win this tournament. Is is there any other way that you feel this tournament could go? I don't think so. I think the only way that Southeastern doesn't win the tournament is if they don't pitch it well and they get into like a slugfest with a Brian. I think Brian's the only other team I can see possibly winning the tournament is if they just outslug Southeastern, but I don't see it happening. Give me Southeastern. I think that they're actually going to get it done in three games. Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that one. I'm going to take Southeastern there. So, Cody, that is the entire rundown, man. We have gone through all nine brackets. We have picked winners for all nine opening round tournaments, man. Before we go, any final thoughts as we head into these this week of play? I just hope you enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. Uh, enjoy the bus rides. Enjoy everything you can do. And I'm just really looking forward to these games. I think Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I've said all the time, best three days of the year for me. Nothing like opening round tournament. 
100% agree, man. It is special as somebody who's who's been to a ton of opening round tournaments and as somebody who in 2013 at, at Milton Wheeler Field got to dogpile uh, with his teammates and, and celebrate going to a World Series. It's one of the, the most special moments of my my life, uh, something I'll never forget, and, and I cherish that moment forever. And so, you know, if you get that opportunity, congratulations. Enjoy every second of it, and if you're a senior, man, just enjoy the moment, enjoy the ride. You know, we, you never know what's going to happen next. And I'm just ecstatic for this, these next three days of baseball, which are quickly approaching. So whether you were listening to this on the plane, on the bus, wherever, thank you for listening to the NAI ball podcast all season long. That'll do it for us here for our intern, Connor Darnell. For Cody Butler, who you can reach at NAI Ball on Twitter and Instagram. And for myself, the host of the NAI Ball podcast, Robbie Gutierrez, at RobG1063. Enjoy the next three days of baseball. We will be back with a World Series preview before you know it. Absolutely excited for this next couple of days of competition. Get after it. Enjoy it. Be safe. Have a great day. And an even better tomorrow.